This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including the decisive battles of world history. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. So when I think about Hillary Rodham Clinton running for president, I want to know what the real numbers are. Not emotion, not mean-spirited cheap shots about an out-of-touch elitist grandmother, but the actual math. I think of the Weekly Standard's top numbers cruncher, Jay Cost. Jay, so glad to have you. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. So I have two questions that may seem polar opposite, and yet I'm thinking them simultaneously. One is, is there any possible way Hillary Clinton can win? And is there any possible way Hillary Clinton can lose? Because I'm absolutely confident that she can, A, cannot possibly win, and B, cannot be stopped. I'm a little schizophrenic today, Jay. Yeah, well, you know, I think she has that effect on people. Um, You know, look, I think that when you look at her and vis-a-vis the Democratic nomination, I think she's probably going to win. And when I say probably, we're talking like 95% or higher. Sure. Um, You know, general election's a different story. You know, um, I think that... Well, let me, let, me, let me phrase the, the, the question this way. And by the way, we're talking to Jay Koss, whose great new book is called A Republic No More, uh, Big Government and the Rise of America's Political, American Political Corruption. It's a great, great book. But when, I, when you say political corruption, you think of Hillary. My question is, is she perceived that way by average voters, or is that just what voters who follow politics understand about the Clintons? I'm not sure average voters would say that she's corrupt. I think that, for instance, the polls on the email thing suggest that a very large majority thinks she did something she shouldn't have done. Whether or not she actually broke the law or something to that effect is a different matter. And I, and I think there is a disconnect there between people who pay a lot of attention and people who only pay a little bit of attention. I think that when we look at the general election, um, you know, overwhelming majority of variation from cycle to cycle in general elections. Democrats win, the Republicans lose, it's a tie, whatever. Three factors, war, recession, scandal. Really, that's that's what moves things. And so if we get into the general election and there's a recession or there's some war or there's some scandal, look, it does, probably doesn't matter what she's going to do. She's probably going to lose. Um, if we don't have any of those conditions hold, um, then we'll probably have a pretty close race because the country is generally divided pretty evenly between the two sides. And I think then it'll matter a great deal whom, whom the Republicans nominate. I think that Hillary Clinton is a candidate that you can make uh, con- you can contrast with, and you can make contrasts that look favorable for Republicans and conservatives, but you've got to pick the right nominee. Yeah, and uh, the short list of my not-right nominees is Jeb Bush for that reason. And for this reason, the arguments are made by some smart people, Jay, that in recent history, the presidential elections have gone exclusively to the candidate of change when there isn't an incumbent in office. So Reagan was, and, and obviously Carter was even an incumbent, but you know Reagan was a change guy. Um, and uh, uh, Clinton was a change guy, and W was a change guy, and Obama was a change guy. The one exception 
is H.W. Bush. And, of course, Reagan was exceptionally popular as an incumbent. Uh, Hillary's not going to have that uh, advantage. Isn't this election over before it starts because the American people are so clearly not interested in sticking with what they've got? Unfortunately, no. Um, you know, uh, that's just the sad the sad state of affairs is that, no, it's not over. And, and look, it's not over because the country doesn't like the Republican Party either. I mean, that's really one of the main challenges the Republicans have. Um, their numbers are not very good. And it's not, you know, so it's not enough for the country to say, okay, well, we don't like Obama and we don't like Hillary. We, you can't beat something with nothing in, in elections. You have to offer something. And I think the Republicans, if they don't get the advantage of a war, or the political advantage, mind you, not an actual advantage, they claim it is for a country. The political advantage of a war, a recession, or a scandal. Look, I think the Republicans have to really finally start thinking outside the box here. Uh, you know, I think they nominated generally over the last 50 years, they've nominated the same type of candidate. Ronald Reagan is really the most notable exception, I think. Uh, and I just don't think that kind of candidate's going to work against the, against the Clintons, against, against her money and against her ability to draw on voters' war memories from the 1990s. Now, maybe it would work. Hillary is not a good candidate. She's going to trim her sails too much. She's going to come across as, you know, calculating and cold, and she's not going to offer her much of a vision because, quite frankly, I don't think she has one. Uh, but, look, I think that the Republicans need to look at this as not, oh, she's going to lose. Uh, I think they need to look at this as, oh, we have an opportunity here. We have to seize it. Well, um, there are a lot of people listening to you who are just going, I can't believe that we're going to go back, you know, in, in, a, in a country like America where it's always been forward looking, that we're going to go back to this tired old brand and reelect a Clinton. What are the poll numbers about Americans in general or Democrats versus Republicans, et cetera, that you would urge us all to keep in mind, Jay Cost? Well, look, I think that the thing to keep in mind here is I'm not saying I'm not making any predictions, sure, right? I mean, right right now Hillary Clinton's numbers in the polls are usually in the mid to high 40s. And they're registered voter polls which are a little more favorable to Democrats on average. So Hillary Clinton is far from having closed the deal. Well, let's just make that clear. You know, I think the point, though, is that, you know, look, I think you can make the argument that she's, you know, tired and looking backwards and she's more of the same when the country wants change. But look, she does have assets uh, that she can utilize. You know, she's going to be the first major party female nominee. She's going to have the record from the 1990s, which was the last time America felt like things was, were actually on the right track. She's going to have no competition for her, the nomination, so she can dedicate all of her time and efforts and resources to organizing for the general election. Look, she's got a lot of strengths. Um, you know, she's got a lot of weaknesses, too. So I think that the point is that we just have to, uh, you know, conservatives just have to think about making the most of the weaknesses uh, in dealing with the advantages as best they can. And, and look, historically speaking, these sorts of this is an open seat race, right? The incumbents retiring after two full terms. Usually those favor the party that wasn't in power. Again, you mentioned 1988. That was an exception for that reason as well. Most of the time a party gets two terms, and then it gets the bounce. 1988 was the only real exception, and the economy was exceptionally strong that year. Reagan was exceptionally popular. Uh, it helped George Herbert Walker Bush, who, by the way, and this is another important point on that front, right, is that in third terms, the third time around, the, the candidate always does worse 
then they then their predecessor did it the second time around. Mm-hmm. So Gore got a smaller share of the two-party vote than Clinton did. Uh, Bush got a smaller share than Reagan did, right? Nixon in 60 got a smaller share than Eisenhower did. Obama got 51% of the vote. Right. Hillary doesn't really have a lot of room for error when you're already down to 51% of the vote. Yeah, those are exactly the kind of facts that you share, Jay Cos. I love because I can hold on to them and use them to how to think about how these things are going in the future. Your book is a republic no more. Big government and the rise of American political corruption. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure, Michael.